We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. The CV, CV Report. TPS Report. The CV Report. Give us one word to describe what you're going through right now. Sucky. <laughs> Sucky. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's just a Nissan Frontier, but in my mind, this thing's an M1 Abrams tank. Honey, take the wheel. I'm going to stick my head out of the sunroof. Look, any self-respecting veteran should grow a beard and have a belly. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. Like, if we're going to start getting angry now, it's it's a little late. Is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The CV Report. Welcome to the CV Report. We're powered by Entercom's ConnectingVets.com, and I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. I'm going to say crazy weird show today. We'll talk to Kevin Nodell of the Daily Beast about whether it's a good idea for the Army to drop acid. And if that question's not weird enough, we'll hear an even stranger story about drugs and terrorists. Insurgents out there that were taking copious amounts of meth, and I know that some Marines started nicknaming them zombies because you had to aim for the head because body shots just wouldn't bring them down. And a disturbing story from the history of war. And they could actually pass on the hallucinogenic high through psychedelic urine, basically. And we'll hear why some veteran voters might be thinking twice about going to Starbucks. Because Starbucks works so hard to hire veterans and support the military, that he probably has more military experience than either of these veterans. What an idiot! (laughs) But first, let's get into some headlines. And as always, here with our headlines is my colleague and fellow reporter at ConnectingVets.com, Miss Libby Howe. How are you today? Good. Other than it's dress weather now, so like my butt keeps sitting down on leather things without my permission, but... That's what it takes. Uh, I guess that's what it means to wear a skirt in modern America. Uh, Just make sure you uh, check yourself before you sit on public transportation. All right, what do you got in the headlines this week? So we had the 2020 budget request came out, and there's a lot of good stuff in it for veterans. A lot of not so good stuff, a lot of good stuff. Uh, Trump is asking for more than $220 billion for the Department of Veterans Affairs for fiscal year 2020. This is a 9.6% increase. Uh, entitled A Budget for a Better America was submitted to Congress on Monday. That calls for $2.7 trillion in spending cuts while bolstering funding for Veterans Affairs and Defense Department. So there's cuts in some places and increases in others. On the list of things that are being funded or kind of the, the good news, what are the quick hits? So we've got $97 billion for discretionary spending, which includes health care, benefits, and cemetery funding. That's a $6.8 billion increase over last year. Okay. $123 billion in mandatory funding, which includes housing, compensation, and pensions. 
4.3 billion for IT investments, which includes a $200 million increase to renew an aging network infrastructure. We all probably know what that's referring to. Yeah, and that was referring to the college payments, right? For the Forever GI Bill. People college were... payments and the electronic health record system. That's an ongoing yeah. Yeah, modernization effort. So there's a couple of IT investment projects that that could definitely help out with. I mean, they were using like 1998 compact computers right. to try to manage these benefits and Correct. leaving veteran students, you know, in the lurch looking for, you know, their housing compensation and sometimes even being told that they weren't going to have their rent. So that's a step in the right direction. A lot of good things. And there were two more kind of down there on the bullet point list that I just wanted to touch on because I thought that was a remarkable increase. $547 million for programs dedicated to women veterans, huge, and $9.4 billion for veteran suicide prevention. Mm. Something that I don't know how we spend our way out of that problem, but I'm glad to see that there's dollars going towards it because there's a variety of solutions. I don't think it's all in one place or one program, and I'm just glad to see that there will be funding you know, going forward because it's a trend we got to stop. All right, and just like some of the news about government raises your blood pressure, so does coffee. And that brings us to our next story. That was a nice transition. That was good. So the former CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, made a statement yesterday that he probably has more experience with the military than Tulsi Gabbard or Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg. I'm down. I can't say it either, but I know what you're talking about. So those are both veteran they're yep. Democrats running in the presidential uh, election as well. And Schultz believes that because Starbucks works so hard to hire veterans and support the military, that he probably has more military experience than either of these veterans. What an idiot. <laughs> Unless you've actually served in the military, y- you you can't say that. You just in no way should you even be able to run for president after saying something like that. You really can't. In my humble opinion. And it is this, it's very similar to like you saying, oh, I served in the military, and you have a lot of people whose response is, oh, my great-grandpa was in World War II. And it's kind of like, that's great. Right. You knew someone, maybe, that yeah. was in the military. You have that. And that, to me, is the same thing as Schultz saying, yeah, I worked with military people, to people who were in the military. So it's, and I feel like military pride is a big culture, and people are very proud of their military service, and that's not something you can hijack, especially not for election reasons. There are fellow veterans that I can't even stand as tall as because I don't have combat experience. Yet I went through boot camp and I raised my hand just as they did. I served in the fleet and deployed just as they did. And then this goes on to say that he's got equal experience to actual veterans. Man, read to me again exactly what he said. He had likely spent more time with the military than the other candidates. (laughs) The candidates who had been in the military, right. And he did apologize, so he tweeted that leaders must accept responsibility for mistakes, and his comment was wrong. Uh, Buttigieg's response, he tweeted that he didn't recall seeing any Starbucks over there. (laughs) Didn't get a lot of care packages on the fob from Starbucks. And uh, yeah, I don't exactly go into any Starbucks now and get free coffee. It's still about five bucks a latte. Right. Yeah, well. Well, I don't see a latte veterans voting for this idiot. All right, our next guest on the report has got an interesting story, and I'm just going to share with you the headline that caught my attention, and I guarantee you're going to be pulled in as well. Can American troops win wars by dropping acid? Dropping acid. Dropping acid. Dropping acid. Dropping acid. 
Well, here from the Daily Beast is freelance journalist Kevin Nodell to talk to us about this article. Kevin, how you doing? Doing all right today. Nice, man. Uh, you, you won with the headline. I'll just share with the audience here a little bit of the subheadline. Uh, an active duty officer argued recently that uh, military intelligence analysts could benefit from a mental flow state to help them think more creatively. And according to your reporting, um, LST could be part of the solution. Kevin, share with me the backstory on this and how you ended up getting involved with writing the story. I wrote the story because uh, Major Albrecht wrote this paper that was published in uh, the Marine Corps Gazette advocating for looking into microdosing uh, intelligence analysts uh, with LSD to expand their minds, their analyzing intel, um, which, you know, is an interesting proposal. But I also happen to know that there's a wider history of drugs in the history of warfare. And actually, whether we talk about it or not, um, a fair amount of substance use um, in the military today. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I also have covered the intersection of drugs and military and recall not too long ago uh, the study done by a group called MAPS out of Los Angeles uh, that's actually researching and they're in clinical trials now of uh, treating PTSD and depression and just like crazy, crazy trauma with MDMA or the drug that we commonly know as ecstasy, right? It was like the club drug. And that's to treat something or to treat a mental condition. Uh, this is to enhance a state of mind to do your job. How specifically would a small dose of LSD help an analyst? Yeah, I, I mean, this is a very different sort of thing. And it's interesting that a lot of people who I don't think bothered to read uh, the article said that it sounded like MK Ultra because it's actually nothing like MK Ultra, which I touched on in the article itself. Um, historically, the U.S. military and U.S. government saw LSD as potentially a weapon to break the minds of their enemies rather than as a tool to open their own minds. Uh, I think what they're talking about here and um, the major cited um, plenty of research that's been ongoing, but also um, Silicon Valley executives and coders who um, said that they've used microdosing to think through problems to, you know, if they're hitting a wall, um, do that so that they can think about the problem differently than they might have been thinking. Intelligence analysts are coming up against a lot of different uh, challenges. We've got groups that act very differently than the U.S. military does, and that might mean inducing them to think differently. This is specifically for Marine Corps analysts. Uh, we know that the Marine Corps um, is very protective of its traditions, and that's something that's very good about it. But that also means that the Marine Corps isn't always the branch that we associate with uh, thinking outside the box so much um, or being very open to new ideas or thinking differently. And that can be a real impediment when you're trying to get in the mind of somebody else as an intel analyst, I think. And that right there, I think you sort of gave me a glimpse at how microdosing could work, um, getting in the mind of somebody else. So it's not so much that they would need this to make a creative artwork or they would need this to sort of like extrapolate strange and really massively difficult equations. 
it's and they put themselves in the enemy's shoes. They think about maybe as they look at various YouTube videos or as they look at like methodologies, like how they would go, where they would go, what they're doing with this data, where they're putting these videos. Maybe they're trying to like live inside the mind of the criminal, so to speak. And that, when you put it that way, um, or when you consider that, does that sound more accurate as to how a microdose might work? Yeah, I think that's basically what they're trying to get into. In fact, um, I, yeah, I don't think staying awake for days on end is what they're talking about. Uh, we have right. other uh, drugs for that, um, <laughs> which we can get into also, because that's very much part of the history of warfare. And traditionally, actually, more what we've used drugs for, um, at least in the U.S. military and some Western militaries. But, you know, I as I brought up um, and talked to some other uh, military analysts, there's also some concerns about what this could look like. Uh, I mean, it's important to note that this is about microdosing and not macrodosing. We're not talking about guys just tripping balls on LSD. Even so, though, if somebody was to do this, we need to answer some questions about what their mental history is like before they start uh, using powerful uh, psychedelic substances, if they have themselves a history of drug abuse uh, before or during their service. And we want to know what else they might be putting into their bodies while they're doing this. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, are you going to be drinking some orange juice and some Red Bull? I mean, what else went into your diet? Did you eat it all that day? And uh, the drug history is interesting because... Um, on one hand, you would want somebody that would be resistant to want to use drugs again and again and again. You don't want them to use it as a crutch or to find too much enjoyment in it. But I could say that I wouldn't want a noob either. Like, you wouldn't want somebody to get microdose that had never tripped before, would you? I mean, wouldn't you want well, them to be well, familiar with, they... like, the body buzz and, like, what it's going to kind of do to you and how it's going to feel so it doesn't alienate them from the start? I, well, I don't know. I, I, I think... Well, you know, I, I was just reporting on this. I'm, I'm not really sure that I'm qualified to make policy recommendations. But in terms of it being <laughs> sure, a new sure. there, because I think if, if we're talking about that, uh, all of this was is going to be supervised. It's not like they were talking about just giving it to them and doing and leaving them to their own devices. This is going to be in a military setting and they're going to be around supervisors. And I think that that's part of also the reason why we're talking about microdoses, like ease people into it and figure out if it works. And if it actually makes them more effective. Mm -hmm. The one thing I'd, I'd like to touch back on is I know you mentioned uh, energy drinks. Um, soldiers and the Marines use a lot of energy drinks. And whether we talk about it or not, that's, that's drugs. Uh, that's caffeine. Um, caffeine is a drug that powers the military. And we don't necessarily talk about it. But um, that, that's kind of what I was getting at when I said that we use a lot of substances to keep these forces going. Um it's not an illicit substance, but it is a performance enhancer, whether you want to talk about it that way or not. Yeah, indeed. And over the last couple of years, the warfighters I've interviewed, um, you know, there are too many to count that recall the memories of sitting in their observation post or on a rooftop with their M4 and, you know, a can of rip it is never far. And, uh, you know, they got jacked up on that to uh, stay awake and to perform better. Now, let's go a little bit deeper and share with me more of the history that you are familiar with of drugs and militaries. Yeah, well, I mean, and this goes back a long ways because we can talk about the U.S. military, but also just military organizations throughout history and warriors. This goes clear back potentially to the Vikings, um, hmm. like the Viking berserkers who were said to fight and act like animals. Uh, there's a lot of scholars who have argued that uh, mushrooms might have helped them get into those fighting trances. Uh, there's 
there's a little bit of debate around that um, about whether it was mushrooms specifically or some other substance or whether they just were acting that way. And that was just the accounts of um, terrified Irish peasants. But they're, they're not the only ones. There's been some evidence that maybe the Zulus, uh, when they were fighting the British, had the aid of some various uh, herbs and supplements that were helping them fight a little bit harder and more resistant to pain. Uh, I talked to a historian who mentioned specifically a very interesting story about uh, Siberian warriors who certainly used mushrooms to get themselves into a fighting trance. And the interesting thing about what they did was... Mushrooms were very expensive in Siberia, getting them dried and transported to where they were. So the way that they would pass on the high was uh, they found out that their body didn't filter out psychedelic influence from the mushrooms when they when they urinated. And they could actually pass on the hallucinogenic high through psychedelic urine, basically. Um, <laughs> Gross. Oh, my God. Legend has it that's where the term pissed off comes from. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they were they were just uh, guzzling piss and getting high and getting in fights, and they could pass on the high to about five other people, which was a tradition that um, Westerners and also uh, the Russians thought was uh, was pretty gross, but uh, they thought they were being pretty clever. But psychedelics ultimately are a pretty small um, portion of this. Like like I said earlier, most of this is usually stimulants, right? Um, amphetamines. Uh, I mean, if we look in Somalia and Yemen these days, a lot of cot use. Uh, fighters chew cot leaves uh, to give themselves um, a lot more energy and a little bit more aggression. Uh, during World War II, the German military infamously used a lot of methamphetamine. Um, German tankers actually started calling meth panzer chocolates because they just kind of passed it around and used it uh, liberally. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's how you stay awake for hours and hours and hours uh, and fight aggressively. And we've definitely been seeing um, ISIS these days uh, using a lot of meth, cocaine, and uh, Captagon pills. Amazing. I actually have not heard that reported openly, but that's, I mean, I have kind of heard that rumored. That That's actually a thing. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well, there, there's plenty of reporting around about that, but it, it's, it's definitely been documented. Uh, a lot of documents. A lot of uh, caches have been seized uh, by Iraqi and uh, Syrian Democratic forces. Um, and, and, and this goes back even to uh, the uh, the days of the Battle of Fallujah. There were um, insurgents out there that were taking copious amounts of meth and it was able to keep them going. Um, I personally know Marines who fought in Anbar province who fought against some of these guys and had accounts of how they were very, very difficult to kill. Um, I know that some Marines started nicknaming them zombies because you had to aim for the head because body shots just wouldn't bring them down. Um, oh, like wow. Just a brief anecdote I'll, I'll run by you that I remember. Um, a friend of mine, his platoon was up against um, an insurgent who, yeah, as, as far as they knew, was uh, pumped up on meth or something. And he, he, got, he got pinned down in a house and they called an airstrike on him eventually after they had shot him a bunch of times uh, and brought down the entire house on him. And when they tried to go uh, secure the body, he still wasn't dead and shot back at them, even though he was pinned by the rebel. So they eventually just hung back and waited for him to bleed out. Whoa. I mean, as dark and gruesome as that is. Uh, it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> I mean, it's vivid and it is probably the most powerful anti-drug anecdote I've ever heard. I mean, if that's not enough to convince you not to do meth, holy
Well, I, well, I mean, but arguably uh, he was fighting harder and longer than anyone else. Now, long term, obviously, these drugs have like meth in particular uh, has very bad long term effects. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. After yeah. The second, after the Second World War, the German some German veterans really struggled and some of them did develop amphetamine addictions. But during battle, it it made them perform at a higher level. It just did. Mm. Uh, and that's one of those things that is a little bit difficult to reckon with. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing the story. And uh, I, I don't know, it gives cause for me to think that maybe we should be, uh, I don't know, maybe we should be ISIS's dealer. You know, we could just kind of take them out on the back end by cutting their stuff with something, you know, the, we all hear about the, the heroin cut with the fentanyl. Maybe we should just find out who their dealer is and start lacing it. I don't know. At any rate, um, I'll, I'll say this. The microdosing with the psychedelics for problem solving really t- sounds like almost the exact opposite and angelic or innocent in comparison to the stories that we've just shared um, and being able to think through problems. Did, did you ever talk to anybody from the Silicon Valley who gave examples of how they were really able to write an abstract code or, 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 or solve a problem through the creative thinking process oh, that not, the microdosing no. has given? Not for this article, but uh, trust me, I've talked to people who have. Uh, I, know, I know a few people who are coders, and definitely it's more common than some people might guess. You know, I don't think it's anything specific. It's really just about uh, getting your mind in a certain place where you're just able to think differently. And I don't think that they have really good words for what it is. As cliche as it is, all, all of them w- would just kind of tell you it can't be described. It's something you have to experience for yourself. Well, Kevin Nodell, I really do appreciate the reporting on this. It's a fascinating article, and I don't want to give too much of it away because there's a lot here to take in. And I no pun intended there, but uh, can American troops win wars by dropping acid? Uh, you can find it at thedailybeast.com. And uh, Kevin Nodell, as you continue to cover these uh, unusual and interesting subjects, um, I want to put you on my short list of guests. I want to have you back because just looking at the other projects you're involved with, share with me some of the other things that you're doing right now with respect to the podcast you're on and uh, some of the graphic novels. Yeah. Last year, I came out with two uh, graphic novels published by uh, U.S. Naval Institute Press and uh, their new graphic novel imprint, Dead Reckoning. Uh, first uh, first books to come out with that um, imprint, actually. Uh, one is Machete Squad, um, which I co-wrote uh, with my friend Brent Dulac, and it's his memoir, basically, of his time in Afghanistan. And the other one is The Stan, which is a graphic novel comics compilation uh, based on interviews that me and uh, my colleague David Axe did with several veterans and refugees of the Afghan conflict. Uh, I'm also the writer of the Acts of Valor comic series in Naval History Magazine, and I'm also the producer of the War College podcast, which breaks down the nuances of armed conflict around the globe, co-hosted by uh, Matthew Galt and Special Operations veteran uh, Derek Gannon. Awesome, man. Kevin Nodell, find him at thedailybeast.com. Really appreciate it, and uh, good tripping out with you, man. Glad to be here. And that's a wrap on this episode of The CV Report. If you want to find other episodes, you can go to ConnectingBets.com. I also encourage you to download the Radio.com app and unlock a whole world of on-demand content and incredible kick-ass podcasts. I also encourage you to like and subscribe everywhere you get podcasts to this, The CV Report, and our other podcast, Vet Story. 
It's stories from the battlefield to a bar stool. And that's actually where I like to find an incredible veteran story. I'm Phil Briggs, and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of the CB Report. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 